Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 143. Let's roll. And we are in the no news is good news portion of the NFL season. I mean, you're going to hear a lot of news but don't pay any attention. Or if you do pay attention, take advantage of the morons who are, you know, moving with every whim. You know, the Kendra Miller was going to be, you know, on the pup. That was information we already knew. So if you knew that and someone saw it and was, you know, shook by it, take advantage of it, man. Take advantage of these news bits. There's a few other news bits that I'm pretty excited about. You know, one Denzel Mims, you know, alpha, Wide receiver one season incoming. Am I right, guys? Everybody? Everybody with me? No? Okay. All right. I think think you guys are right. No chance. But to talk some sense into Mr. Game Theory this evening, I have none other than Mr. 101 Chalk. Chalk is my partner here at the Undroppables. Mr. Chalk, what is going on? Talk me off the ledge. What's up, man? What's going on, buddy? (laughs) Hey, man. Uh, Good to be back hanging out with you. As always, shout out to Michael P. Duncan, uh, who's listening probably right as we speak. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into it. I know we've got some topics to dive into and uh, looking forward to uh, going back and forth on some of this stuff. Yeah, he's in the green room right now, uh, just cursing me because of all the bad takes I'm going to give. And, you know, the edit button has never been so busy with Mr. Game Theory. Listen, the the, the Denzel Mims thing, though, was pretty funny. Um, you know, I was going back and forth with Nate Liss, uh, on Twitter, who was like, you know, if anybody's still holding shares, and of course I show him my two shares and I'm like, so you're telling me there's a chance. And, you know, of course there's no chance, but you know, the, I think the, the actionable thing that I think of when I see stuff like that, you know, of course I play around on Twitter, you know, just because it's fun, but you know, is exactly what Nate is saying, which is. If anybody's silly enough to think, well, this is his chance. I mean, Amon Ra on the slot, you know, Jamison Williams isn't there. Who else is going to play? I can't think of anybody, even though Marvin, I mean, excuse me, um, 
Uh, Marvin Jones is going to play ahead of him. Josh Reynolds is probably going to play ahead of him. You know, all these people are going to play ahead of him. He's probably not even, who knows if he even makes the team, you know, but someone's like, Hey man, he's got a, a shot outside, you know, and you know, maybe 60, 80 catches and someone starts talking themselves into stuff like that. It's like just pounce and sell for a fourth, a third, you know, cause you couldn't get anything for him a minute ago. So go ahead and sell. And, you know, now's the type of time of season where, you know, you can take advantage of those bits of news. Uh, you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I feel um, feel the same way about Marvin Mims, right? Like I don't, I don't think I have him on any more dynasty team. Right you mean now. Denz, Denzel Mims? Careful. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, Denzel Mims. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I don't have any any of them on my dynasty teams today. Although, you know, I might scour the waiver wire on some dynasty teams, throw them on the end of the bench, wait for like a positive news from training camp. And then, like you said, right, try to flip him for fourth round or, right, just something, right? Even if it's like I picked him up for free and get some fab dollars, you know, if I can, great. If I can't, I'm not holding my breath. Um, I think the ship has sailed on Denzel. Uh, sure. I liked him. A, I liked him a ton when he was coming out. Yep. But <laughs> obviously, base planted more than a couple of times. What was it? Three, two seasons in a row, three seasons. And uh, I think it's about a, about a wrap for him at this point. Yeah, these outside sort of bigger, you know, X receivers, that's a prototype that's been sort of fading away, you know, and we see more misses than we see hits. And, you know, I don't know if Quentin, Quentin Johnston is one of those guys, you know, another outside guy that sort of doesn't live up to promise. But, you know, that was what made me sort of, you know, throw caution towards him and more excited to take the likes of JSN and, and um, you know, and, and certainly Jordan Addison over him in Dynasty was for those reasons. It's not like I have a something against Quentin Johnston. I think he's probably a fine prospect, but you know that 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 archetype is a bit scary, and uh, we just haven't seen very many hits from that archetype uh, over the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking back, right? Like how many receivers of that build have we seen over the last handful of years? And I mean, really, two come to mind that actually were hits, and that was really like an AJ Brown and like his teammate in college, like DK. Yep. Um, I mean, those guys just kind of instantly come to mind. Other than that, just a slew of misses, right? I think yeah. I think Matt Kelly had dropped something yeah, <laughs> tweeting yeah. about Quentin Johnson and just like, you know, just all, to, all the misses. Yeah. All, all the, the misses, misses, you know, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and yeah, it's a little bit, uh, you look, there's a lot of misses in rookie drafts. I mean, that was the other thing too. Uh, I made a tweet, quote tweeted him. It was kind of funny because, I said something like Matt um, Matt was right about uh, you know Hakeem Butler and let's see if he's right about Quentin because fuck if I know I don't, I don't know and people are like oh you're making a comp between Butler and Quentin I'm like no not not fucking number one not at all not making a comp I don't I don't even th- I'm not even thinking of them as the same player just thinking of you know Matt you know famously sort of fading Hakeem Bustler which I remember him saying that I was like. That's pretty bold because he's just coming right out and saying it pre-draft the whole time. He's a bust. He sucks. No chance. Forget about it. And like, meanwhile, he was gaining steam all the way up to Matt Waldman had him wide receiver one. I, I believe I don't mean to throw shade, but like there was a lot of a lot of analysts who had him, you know, way up there. Certainly, I think we all had him top three, four, five. You know, it was like, dude, yeah, Butler he could be pretty good. And he was like, nope, fade completely. Then the NFL draft faded him. So anyway, it was just kind of interesting how people have revisionist history, how everybody's like, nobody was on Butler 
you know, t- if you ask them today, nope, didn't like them. But fuck yeah, you did. You know what I mean? It's like people forget, man. And that's the thing with like Quentin. If he if he uh, blanks, people will be like, yeah, I knew it. Totally knew it. And meanwhile, nobody is saying that except like one guy in the vortex. That's kind of the point, you know? Yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of guys who didn't bust, DeAndre Hopkins. And we will get to that and much more right after this. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, boy. I mean, you want to take the victory lap now? Or how do you want to do this for this Traylon Burke situation? Because uh, all my Burke shares took a little bit of a hit in the ribs. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, it's funny. I, I tweeted about this, too, uh, a few days ago, right when the, when the signing happened. and You know, and I was telling you, like, even a, a few months ago, a couple months ago, I don't know if I said on this podcast, but I know we we're texting about it, that – I uh, just I moved off trading on Burks and I'm so happy. Like you know, uh, I don't I don't believe in him anymore. Uh, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna pan out. And yeah, lo and behold, I don't think the Titans. I mean, the Titans needed more more receiving depth anyway. So I mean, you can't you can't make it a you know a verdict on uh, Traylon Burks. It's not an indictment necessarily, but <sighs> DeAndre Hopkins coming in and instantly becoming the alpha on that team on a run heavy team that is not good news for Traylon Brooks no matter how you want to spin it or you know tell yourself that you know I've seen I've seen this take oh well, it's good for Traylon Brooks so now he doesn't have to worry about the CB1 he doesn't have to worry about the you know top sauce gardener on the other side you know like shadowing him uh you know he could play off the the weaker cornerback but that argument in itself admits that Traylon Brooks can't handle the top cornerback on the other side. So that's not a good argument. No, the volume, the volume argument is not there anymore. Right. You, Cause I know like one thing that you were telling me about was, well, Traylon Burks, he's the alpha on that team. There's nobody else. I mean, there's Nick Westbrook, uh, Ikini, Kyle, uh, Kyle Phillips, Kyle Phillips, and then Chig, right. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and then you got like Chris Moore and like Racy McMath. Like you got a bunch of like, who? nobody's, you know? yeah. <laughs> nobody's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. I think it hurts Traylon Burks for sure in the short term because the other thing with, with DeAndre Hopkins, it's it's not like he's like, I don't know, even like a Julio Jones. He's more of a like, I get the ball every down. Like, I'm always open. Throw it to me every single time. Like, no matter what you do, throw it to me. I'm open for sure. Like, oh, I'm covered. Even when I'm covered, I'm wide open. Trust me, I'll fucking catch. Like, he's that type of player where he just commands targets every like he's just always the guy that wants the ball he's commanded amazing amounts of targets throughout his career now he, i don't know exactly you know how burks fits in but i do know that his ceiling you know in terms of target share it gets capped i mean we do this all the time we do projections you and i and like yeah he's gonna also hurt someone else you know of course i think the wide receiver now whoever the wide receiver three is that person is hurt the most because that person was going to be the wide receiver too. You know what I mean? Like whether it's going to be Kyle Phillips or Nick Westbrook, Akine or some combination combination or whomever else, that person now really falls down the totem pole almost to irrelevance. Um, maybe Kyle Phillips plays a little slot type stuff and, you know, has some relevance, but really none whatsoever. I would think at this point, or at least I project at this particular point, and it is kind of a two-headed monster, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks, as well as obviously Conquo as the tight end. I think that's pretty good team-wise. I think it 
certainly helps them as a team, but um, it certainly doesn't help Traylon, uh, Traylon's upside or you know floor. It just hurts. I don't. I've heard some people say it hurts Chig. I, I don't really think that at all. I mean, I've, I've said this on a number of occasions. I think tight end targets are tight end targets. Running back targets are running back targets. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's kind of like the DeAndre Swift thing. He's not going to all of a sudden get 120 targets in Philadelphia. That would be very surprising because. They just don't target the running back that much because of the way they play and because of how Jalen Hurts plays. I would expect their running back targets to go up, but certainly not to the point of what it would be in a Breeze-Brady offense. You know what I mean? So I think there's certain caps because of the way that they play. I would say that Chig is somewhat diminished again. I think everybody is slightly diminished because DeAndre Hopkins is in town. Uh, but biggest biggest uh, notable person that's hurt is, is Traylon. But I would still actually be buying this news uh, for Traylon because if you still be- if you believed in him, you should still believe in him. If you didn't believe in him, you definitely don't believe in him now. This is a, a, a death knell if you didn't believe in him. So sellers will probably sell much lighter, and buyers should be buying because it's you know it's still okay. You're still going to be fine uh, going forward. It's sort of the AJ Brown thing. He'll eventually his situation will change and he'll be good. If he, again, if he's bad, he won't be. But if he's good, he will be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and with with Traylon Brooks, if you have if you're holding him today, like you have him on your teams, and this this news makes you nervous and you want to move off of him, this is not the time to move him. Right? No. I mean his his market value is is completely you know, depressed right now. You have to hold him. He's a, he's a, he's a hold at this point. He's a hold, right? Uh, you yes. hope for the best, right? And if he starts producing really well, you can make the decision to strike when the iron's hot or yep. you kind of ride it and then you know next season two seasons from now i think dehundred Hopkins signed for two years i think so you know um probably probably gonna have to ride it out at least one more year you know maybe hopkins you know another another year older next year um who knows what he looks like health wise you know it's all speculation but right Traylon brooks is an absolute hold and one thing real quick because i know you brought up julio jones yeah. and people have c- compared like oh well you know, Tennessee's where old aging wash receivers go to die, but and they say like Julio Jones. It's like, well, Julio Jones was injured, injured, and pretty much broken the yes. year before, right? Like the yes. year before, I think he played like two games in Atlanta before he became a free agent or he got moved to t- Tennessee, and at that point he was already at the doubt. Like it was very obvious that he was not; he was a shell of what he used to be. DeAndre Hopkins. That's not the same case that we have here. He missed games last year due to a PED suspension, not because of injury. So we right. can't assume that he's washed or broken. He had a decent season last year. I think when he came back, there was a stretch where he was like putting up, you know, the overall wide receiver one on numerous weeks, if not like top three numbers uh, for several weeks, uh, especially in the back half of that season. So, you know, so uh, yeah, uh, you can't you can't write off Hopkins. You can't say, oh, you know. Traylon Brooks is going to make DeAndre Hopkins irrelevant. Targets will consolidate to those two guys. Hopkins is going to lead the team in targets, I think, with you know about 22, 23% uh, of the target share. Traylon Brooks probably around the 20, you know, 18 to 20%, you know, range, probably closer to 20. Yep. Chig will soak up his his portion. And like you said, uh, and I agree with you there, like he's going to lose some targets there just because Hopkins is going to get his, and Traylon Brooks is going to get his. Um, but I don't think, like you, like you said, I don't think he's going to lose that much uh, target share uh, right. at the tight end position. Yeah, 
yeah, the hope would be that the offense is better now, which leads me to Ryan Tannehill, I guess, and Will Levis, if you believe he's a real thing. Um, you know, and and if Ryan Tannehill can win with this team, I think he remains the starter for the entire season. Obviously, if they're not competitive, which I actually think they should be. Well, that's a good question. Uh, will they be competitive? I would think they would be competitive in this division. Um, do you kind of agree with that in, in the general sense? Like at least, you know, for 10, 12 games, right? Yeah, I think I think generally 10 to 12 games, they should be competitive. I don't know if they hit double-digit wins this year. Right. Uh, I think I think Jacksonville is still the top of the division. Agreed. Um, I mean, they got better, right? We're not going to necessarily get into Jacksonville today, but no, Jacksonville got better. Yep. Right. I know. I, I know. I was listening to you and then McNamara uh, on the last episode talking a little bit about Trevor Lawrence and his progression, and I know how you feel about Trevor. And, yeah. I'm hundred percent with you there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, getting back to Tannehill and, and Will Levis. You know, I know we joked a lot about Will Levis pre-draft process. Um, uh, I, I think he's going to get his shot this year at some point. Interesting. Uh, if, if if the Titans aren't competitive, right? I think we'll find out. I just think know, they will be, point. though. I think they'll be competitive, yeah. and I think that you know Vrabel's not going to be like, I don't know, man. He didn't exactly want to play Malik Willis, and you know he didn't change the offense for Malik Willis. I mean, that was the most striking thing I think that uh, Vrabel didn't do last year was. You know, I felt like this should have just been like the the Lamar Jackson, you know, late rookie year offense where they just, you know, where Lamar ran it like 25 times a game. Um, you know, they kind of were ready for that. I thought that maybe that would be what, you know, Vrabel would do something, you know, similar to that, akin to that, if you will. Um, and so I don't know that he's going to be too psyched to have a Will Levis experiment unless they're completely throwing in the towel. So I think Tannehill, even if they're two games out of, you know, out of contention at any point, which look, if you're five and eight, sometimes you're still in it. You know what I mean? It's like, that's kind of what I mean. Like, I don't know that they're going to be, you know, one in seven. I just don't see that with this team. Obviously it's possible, but you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll hang around, you know, 500 and be competitive enough where I guess my point is I think Tannehill can return value a little bit more now. Um, you know, he's been going consistently in redraft and, you know, Obviously, if it's a one quarterback league or whatever, he's irrelevant. But in Superflex, I think if you're holding Tannehill, you feel really, really good about uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, you know, and I, but I think that even with even with Hopkins there, you know, at best, I see him as like a low end QB two, right? Sure. Right now, you yeah, mid QB two maybe. Yeah. He's got rushing upside, like. That team has been look. That team, nobody wants to like them, but every year you're like fucking tight. Like the Titans were the number one seed a couple years ago, and we we're like we were ready to just be like, no, they're not, you know. But they they somehow get it done. This is a one of those get it done teams. I'm sure that at some point it won't happen, but like every year I write them off, and every year they're like, you know, fuck, there they are again, like winning football games somehow or another. So well coached, and you know, I think it bodes well for Tannehill. You know, it's like the rumors were swirling about. Matt Stafford, you know, looking to be traded this offseason. But now that he's not, he's Matt Stafford. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? I think same thing with Tannehill. It's like everybody was like, oh, they drafted Levis and they want to get rid of him. And But then when he starts week one, it's still like, well, then Ryan Tannehill's in. And he's been pretty good. I mean, to be square, he's been pretty good. He's not been a bottom, you know, a bottom 5'10 quarterback in this league. He's been a middle of the road to better than that quarterback. You know, he's kind of been frisky to say the least. 
Um, I, that's just that's all I've got on that. But what about uh, let's talk about Dalvin? I, I've been thinking about it because like you know even Theo had mentioned something on Twitter about Devon A Chain if he can dodge the Dalvin bullet, he's got a huge you know ceiling in front of him, and I fucking totally agree with this take. Like you know Dalvin. Where he lands is going to change some shit. You know what I mean? And I keep thinking, like, you know, God bless. Why are the Jets doing this? It just keeps messing with me. It really, really messes with me because I I have some Dalvin. I have a little bit of Brees. I have some Izzy. And it's like, what are you doing putting all these guys on the same team? Like, please don't do that. Um, you know, the, the Dalvin, you know, one more season of, like, you know, borderline RB1 production – I don't see it in, in, in New York. So I'm just praying he doesn't go there. What are your thoughts about him going to the jets? You think it's real or what's going on? It's kind of interesting because we love Brees Hall, right? And I, I never thought I would say this, but I think there's an actual possibility that Delvin ends up in, in New York on the jets. I mean, I think that's a very real, reasonable outcome here i mean for several reasons right there's a lot of smoke around the afc east uh whether it's miami i mean we're hearing the patriots now and of course the jets and the jets signing dalvin i think it, it plays multiple things for them right it keeps them away from their division rivals yeah they're they're an all-in situation by trading for aaron Rodgers, right and yeah. Their their cornerstone franchise running back is coming off of an ACL. Yep. Um, and we're not we're not sure you know exactly where he is in his rehab and recovery and whether or not he's going to be as explosive as they need. Uh, we've seen and we're, we'll talk. I know we'll talk about this more in detail about the running back just situation in the NFL is completely upside down right now. And uh, you know they drafted your boy right Izzy Benikanda and like it just seems like. They're not happy with that room. I mean, feels like know, it, right? Right? Yeah. I mean, and it's not to say like they don't like Brees Hall, but it's just the running back got injured, you know. And they, if they, if they lose their starting running back again, or uh, Brees Hall isn't back to form, and we see Michael Carter, and we know what Michael Carter is already, um, you know, and they have um, uh, Zonovan Knight, right? Yeah. And um, you know, Izzy now and. It's like if those guys don't pan out, like what are they gonna do, right? right. Like it's like they're gonna be kind of out of luck, and and we know I know we know that there's some other free agent running backs out there, but Dalvin, of course, like you said, is kind of a different tier than a Zeke or even a Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette. Um, so it just makes sense in like multiple ways that like you know at a reasonable price, like why not? Like why not right. have two stud running backs and just like just switch them out like like every other series just like you're seeing dalvin for like you know a whole series you know of downs um and then the next series you bring in Brees and just like keeping teams on their toes and their it'll defense just suck just, for well, fantasy is all i'm saying it would yeah I mean, it would. It's it, it like, would. as you're saying that i'm like oh no oh no 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 don't do it. <laughs> no i don't want that you know so it's like that's what i'm talking about it's like yeah i like real football i guess i get i like i yeah like, look, if you know, for playing Madden and you're like, dude, fucking uh, Dalvin's available and I'm the Jets and I have Brees Hall, it's like, yeah, click, you know, what is it, five million? Just like, you know, you just yeah. you'd sign them. I get it. I, you know, I have cap room, I can do it. Like, click. Like, I get that. 
but like that's the that sucks man you it know? does man. Like, I just don't it want sucks it. but it's just like yeah that's the that's the potential reality we face now right fantasy players in this whole new running back paradigm it's just it's all it's all screwed up and then yeah i mean you know not you know one team horse. i was thinking a sleeper oh i just thought it. i can't believe nobody thought it. the one team sleeper team that um dalvin could go to the team with the worst starting running back in the nfl could be the minnesota vikings <laughs> yeah imagine that right I anyway mean... sorry that was i dunked on madison again last week dude it's coming for me everybody's tagging my tweets with like fantasy receipts i'm like oh like i'm not like i'm not gonna tell myself you know but anyway you know what i mean of course i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna quote tweet my madison takes if he goes off and he might um Miami. Volume is kingdom, Go, man. Vol- yeah, yeah, volume is kingdom, right? Yes. And I know Madison is just a guy, yeah, right? He's, he is. He's a, yeah. he's, a, he's a backup running back type of skill set type yes. of player. But if he gets like 220 to 240 carries. That's great. And 50-plus targets. I mean, all that yeah. is in play. I totally agree. Yeah. Someone asked me uh, real quick on, on Madison. Someone asked me um, – I, mean, I don't know if he's on the show sheet. I forget. But someone asked me on Madison. They were like, um, who do you see taking targets from him? And I jokingly but not really jokingly said the boogeyman. And what I meant by that is I don't know. It Maybe not even the person on this team right now. Like, you know, releases, cuts happen, you know – Cut day down to 53. Someone, holy shit, did you see so-and-so got cut from what you call it? You know I mean? Who knows? I don't know who's going to go where and what. And Oh, then they signed him. Oh, really? Fucking, okay, Minnesota signed. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, Deontay Foreman gets cut by Chicago. I don't see it. Obviously, just signed there. I'm just, I'm using a random name from a random team. All of a sudden, it's like, oh shit, yeah, fucking that guy. A guy that we don't even know. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't know who's going to take Madison's touches. I just can't really believe that he's going to get to it. And if he does get the volume of a starting running back, I still think he's below average in terms of how good he is. So I don't think he's going to be that good anyhow. So I, I, you know, look, I suppose there's a possibility touchdowns are, are fluky, but I don't think he's going to be like, no one's going to be like, Oh, he's a top eight running back in the league. Like that's not going to happen. So he's got to get top eight lucky, because I don't think he's going to necessarily see that much volume. I just don't see it with him, you know? I mean, I, I do get that there's a, a way that he can be a mid-RB2 and, like, return value being the, you know, 20th running back taken in a, in a draft. I get all that. I see that. But, you know, to me, there's just, you know, better upside plays in and around him. So many so many players going around. We don't need to get back on, on, um, on, on Madison. But the one that I uh, – look, A-Chain here – is like the other guy, like waiting in the balance of the Dalvin situation. Because if you tell me they don't sign anybody else, I don't know exactly how high I feel a chain could go in like, like, let's just say redraft. You know what I mean? Like a a late August redraft. Once, once the dust is settled, if they add no more running backs, a chain's got all the ceiling because of that speed. And if Dalvin goes there, I don't know. I mean, he has very little ceiling outside of an injury. Yeah, I, I like that uh, Devon A chain, uh, and I definitely like I've I've started liking him a lot more just listening to you and uh, some of your guests recently. Um, and if if Dalvin doesn't go to Miami, I do see A chain having a, a very solid role, and he's gonna have a solid role. You know, even if Dalvin signed, I think he yeah. you know he's he's a younger, up, more yeah, you know, more explosive back. Yep. I mean, I could see him. You know, fifty to sixty targets, even right. Yeah, if Dalvin's right. out there, like you know, you know, upside of like sixty targets potentially. 
The only problem with A-Chain is, even if Dalvin doesn't go to Miami, is my, my boy Jeff Wilson, yeah. who's going to be the RB1 on that team. Um, <laughs> I'm going to die on that hill for I don't know what reason. Um, but you got you got Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, so it's just it's just an ugly situation, I feel like, with A-Chain, that he's going to get his touches and he's going to be making some big plays, but... In terms of the carries and the goal line carries and anything that's in the red zone, yeah, it's probably going to go to the other guys, and no, that's going to hurt I, his yeah, touchdown. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I think I think he's one of those like I, I I would think DeAndre Swift when he was doing well for the Lions type of role, where it's like you know he gets you know maybe only eight to twelve carries a game, you know, not a ton of carries, but he's getting all the targets in the in the two minute and the hurry up and the and all the you know, and they play at a pace, and they they want to throw the ball. Like McDaniel's is an exciting you know play caller on the offense. I, th- you think it was accidental that he now has Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Devon A. Chain? You think that's just like, oh wait, what? I do have the three fastest motherfuckers in the league. I didn't know that. Like that's not a surprise to him. He certainly is at home. I promise you one thing: he is drawing up plays. Like he's like, oh my god. A chain in the backfield, fucking boom, boom, boom. Like I know he is. Anybody who played football or ever drew up an offense or a play knows that he's like dreaming of getting this motherfucker on the field. And I think he's going to play in those passing downs, and probably not right away. I would get, I give you that. There's probably going to be a buy window for A chain in weeks one, two, three, somewhere in there. We saw it with Nick Chubb. Remember Nick Chubb, his first two, like. uh weeks or whatever like yeah. i think his second or third week he had like four carries for like 120 yards and two touchdowns i was like might want to give that guy the ball a little bit there you know i was like yeah that might be a good idea to give nick chubb the ball so i think sometimes early on you know there's that sort of veteran deference but i think after that goes away um i think a chain is going to just be involved i think yeah wilson will be the sort of carry the heavy load do the heavy lifting you know being on first you know it'll be like second quarter and a chain will have kind of nothing you know, and you'll be like, oh, wait, is he going to play? And then the second half when it's a little bit more of a shootout or toward the end of the first half when they're having to move fast, you know, all of a sudden he has three, four catches and you're like, you know, he's just going to score points fast, uh, fantasy points, that yeah. is, you know? And I, I, I yeah. sort of see him being that type of player, if that makes sense. Yeah, defense will be a little bit winded, right? Legs are heavy. And then you got A-chain, right? Just exploding out of the backfield and, yeah. you know, oh, 30-yard gain, you know, oh, pass play for another 25 yards. So, yeah, yeah I could see And then – just like that, instantly he's going to have like six, seven points just off of two plays, right? Yeah. And then he scored a touchdown, and then he's at 15 points. You're like, oh, whoa, like that came quick, right? <laughs> that so came quick. That's Yeah, that's very possible too, right? So I could see him putting up 15 points in a quarter basically, right? And that's yep. all you need. It's right? kind of like Derek happy. McKinnon. You know, I mean, yeah. McKinnon was a speed guy out of the backfield playing for a good offense. It's like, you know, is A-Chain McKinnon? No, I, I, you know, it's it's just sort of the utilization is what I'm saying. And I think that's what I'm expecting from A-Chain. And, and to his credit, every film guy you ever heard, you did not hear a film guy go, eh, not that good, uh, you know, between the tackles. It's not really a nuance. Everybody was like, dude, if this guy were 210, he'd be the fucking best. You know, he's a really, really aggressive, strong, you know, nuanced, uh, you know, tackle-breaking player for, especially for his size. But even devoid of size it's like sometimes he he sort of defies how small he is and you know he's putting on weight he was a track star there's all these sort of positive things i don't like betting on these small backs you know that uh anatomy series says i should fade him i kind of did he was like my number six or seven running back in the class pre-draft but dude once he hit miami 
you know, I wanted Izzy in Miami. Like whoever went to Miami, I was super excited about. And you know, I'm I'm back in on Devon A Chain, right? I am water. I'm gonna I'm gonna change my opinion based off the new information. I really like A Chain. Unless Dalvin goes there. Speaking of wherever Dalvin could go, there has been some rumors that he would potentially go and ruin Ramondre. But instead, big fat fucking Lenny Fournette is going to go there, it sounds like, or at least he was visiting there. Certainly, one little visit to New England got Twitter all a fluff. What do you think? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I think... I think for me as a fantasy gamer, I want Lenny to go to New England versus Dalvin, right? Because I think, you know, Leonard Fournette is another shell of what he used to be. And, you know, averaging, what, 3.5 yards per carry last year in Tampa. Um, And, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting if he gets signed there because, you know, they did release uh, James Robinson. So there is room for another running back. Uh, So I do think Belichick's going to add somebody. Uh, I think very possible that Lenny gets signed there. I don't think it's going to be very meaningful, at least unless there's an injury to Ramondre. Uh, and but maybe it opens up a buy window for Ramondre, right? Yeah. Maybe someone gets a little shaken up and it's like, oh well, you know, I had him as a top ten running back, and now I don't really see him, you know, that that enticing, and he's getting a little bit up there in age. Maybe I should have moved off of him, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's some of that potential. Someone might just kind of panic. We see that across. Right, not every league's gonna have that. It's pretty rare, but there's gonna be leagues where someone just gets antsy or just a little nervous and you know makes a regrettable decision. So yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about at the at the top of the show, which is you know that Fournette hasn't even signed there, and people are talking about you know the fantasy implication. Cer- certainly, Twitter is very reactionary. I'm sure some of your leagues are too. I know I play in some leagues, home leagues that aren't you know obviously the. Actually, the the home leagues are a little bit more quick to talk in the leagues because that's where they get to sort of share their opinions. Whereas some of the like, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it, expert leagues or leagues with other analysts and leagues with other people who have, you know, followings on Twitter. They go talk about that shit on Twitter because that's where they get interaction. You know, so they're quiet in the fucking leagues, you know. But I hear a lot of stuff in leagues where it's like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, as soon as this happens, you know, one guy will egg on the Ramondre owner or whatever, you know what I mean? Kamara was, you know, freed of uh, his charges or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, someone's picking on the Kendra, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, manager, et cetera. You know, you see a lot of this stuff. So I, I'm sure you guys see that in your leagues. And when you see that in the league, I think like, I want to try and take advantage of whatever sort of market inefficiency this is creating, if I can, right? Is exactly right. Whether it's a market inefficiency or just the opportunity just to even acquire, mm-hmm. you know, a top a running back with like top five potential. Right. Right. You know. So it's like, you know, whether it's the price is a little discounted or that you know that fist that's been clenching, you know, the player is loosening up a little bit. Yes. And just gives you that just that small like Nate List said, right? That sliver of a window, right? Yes. And you just hit the crowbar to it, and you and then you break it open, and then you get. You get the player, right? That yeah, you want. Pay full and we're price. not saying, yeah, pay full price, but at least you're getting him now. Correct. Versus a week ago, it's like, I'm not trading him. No, right. I, I love Ramondre. I love him. You know, I want to keep him. Now it's like, oh, I'll listen, right? And right. You'll, you'll get him. And you add a you add a player that you slot him into your RB2 slot. And it's like, you know, it's, you got a formidable team, you know? So, absolutely. Because I think even if Fournette signs and even when Fournette signs, if it happens, it's like, so fucking what? 
I mean, you know, it still is Leonard Fournette who is losing touches to Rashad White down the stretch. It's not like this is some like alpha back who's going to take away, you know, carries from somebody. Now, I do think he makes an impact. Uh, and the biggest impact I think he has on Ramondre is in the passing game. Um, you know, Ramondre had a huge target share last year. Um, I think it was Gattieri. Someone said it, and I totally loved it because, you know, Felix Sharp has famously called out Ramondre on this show from the freaking beginning. When he was coming out of Juco, he was on this program saying Ramondre's the, the, the Lord. And he was right. And, and we listened to Felix Sharp quite a bit on this show. He's a regular occurrence for those reasons. Um, and so we've been on the Ramondre Stevenson bandwagon for a long time. But Gautieri said something about how he was, you know, two over two yards per route run uh, in college both seasons. And like, you know, all these sort of receiving metrics on a per route basis that he's awesome. And so it's pr- more probable that Ramondre is awesome than that Fournette's going to steal his lunch. So will it maybe stifle him a little bit in terms of targets? Yes. Do I think he's going to have 30 or 40 targets this year? No fucking way. Ramondre is going to see more than that. Maybe he doesn't see 80 or 100, but I think it's 50 to 80. Somewhere in there is still where I think Ramondre is going to be targeted out of the backfield because he's just that good. Your thoughts? No, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, okay. right? yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a death knell for Ramondre at all. And, you know, so Dalvin, again, a little bit different because I think he carries a lot more weight. Now, Dalvin has seen his efficiency go down in the last three years pretty precipitously, so I don't think he's quite the play. Still way the fuck better than Madison was <laughs> as his <laughs> efficiency s- fell, but, uh, you know, not quite what Dalvin used to be. So speaking of, you know, these running backs and – their efficiency and everything. Holy smokes. Did you see the, uh, all the running, all the fucking NFL running backs, like basically crying about their paychecks. I mean, it was so, yeah. 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 It's, it's a tough scene right now. You know, um, you got Saquon and, you know, I don't know if you saw it, but he's doing the interview. Yes. He's wearing that like yellow and blue striped shirt. That looks like the Steelers throwback. Yes. And someone, someone like superimposed like Le'Veon Bell in that throwback, like next to him. And it was like, and then the was, what's his name from uh, uh, fucking the NBA going, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Windhorse, Windhorse. yeah, Windy, the yeah, Windhorse. yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, it's just it's just funny that it's gotten to this point where they're complaining about you know um, the situation, and then you look at other running backs like Miles Sanders getting paid this off season. So you know, it's not necessarily like. There's no market. It's just it's just a different market. It's a different game now, and it's it's not like it happened overnight. It's been happening for yeah. a few years, you know. Like even when Le'Veon Bell, like I mean, that was several years ago, and it's been happening then. So, um, you yep. know, it's it's definitely like I said, a tough scene, and it, it is. It's crazy that Saquon is even coming out and saying that he has the leverage in this situation. He can just sit out. It's, it's like, yeah, go ahead, sit out and see what happens. Like the NFL will just punish you, yeah. right? Like we've seen that happen before, and it's not like, oh, the Giants are gonna bend because you said you're gonna sit out. They'll just say, okay, like, what is sign Dalvin Cook free agent running back? Yeah, we'll sign Dalvin Cook. Well, you know, so here's, I don't know if there's leverage. Here's yet. the thing. Here's the thing, man. You know, people are fucking idiots is the is the number one thing that I take away from this because there's so many takes on Twitter 
that are so dumb. And then the players seemingly are, are somewhat unaware of the reality of the situation. And, and it's sad because as a human being, as a person, like I cheer for people getting their fucking paycheck because the quote unquote, the man has enough money. You know what I mean? And it's like, no matter what you do, I mean, if you deliver pizzas for a living or if you're an NFL running back, I want you to make more money than you make right now. Like that's my take. Like, we all deserve more because we work our asses off and we fucking live paycheck to paycheck and all that shit. I'm for it. I want running backs to make more money. Like, period. They deserve it, man. They fucking run their asses right up at the middle and like get clobbered and in car wrecks and they get injured and they're popping ACLs left and right and they got no security and like, you know, their contracts aren't guaranteed. They don't have any money. Like, it's bullshit. I'm with them. It sucks. But there's no one to complain to. It's the value of the running back position over replacement and the reality of what the situation is. Someone put it up. I don't remember who the hell it was. Uh, maybe it was Akash or whatever. Someone on Twitter had put up, who's more valuable? Um, oh, fuck. I don't remember the running back. It almost doesn't. Oh, it was like Nick Chubb or Justin Tucker. And I voted for Justin Tucker. I I I don't know if he's more valuable, but I think he's like more. Va- he's probably worth more wins. Like at the end of the game, Justin Tucker hits a sixty-yard. He win the game. Like I think he's actually worth more net points over the course of a season versus replacement than Chubb is over, you know, whoever you know, uh, Khalil Herbert or whatever. Like I don't know. Is is I, Chubb is fucking awesome. He's a way better football player than eight. But is it really worth investing in that prototype? Like, what team would be like, dude, if we had Chubb, fucking Super Bowl probably. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't matter. He's that good, but it still makes almost no difference to whether you win or lose. And for those reasons, that's why the the, Saquon, uh, the, the Bijan pick was so stupid. They're paying him a boatload of money for what? Maybe zero more wins, one more win this year? It, it, Bijan over Algier is... Of course, Bijan's fucking better. That's not the question. It's what does that much better at the running back position actually net you as a team? Well, other than t-shirt sales or whatever, you know, uh, revenue, which might have a lot to do with it, um, nothing. I don't think it's that much of a difference. And therefore, they're not going to get paid. And I, I just see all that. And people can't have those two thoughts. Like, yes, I wish they made more money, but I understand why they don't. Yeah, you know what? It, when you're saying all that... It, I had this whole like this thing that popped in my head with Saquon particularly that we've come full circle. Yeah. Right. Cause you just, you just said Bijan, right? Like, you know, the Falcons yeah. drafting Bijan so early. Well, yes. what did the giants do with <laughs> Saquon? Yes. They literally, the last time a running back was drafted early was Saquon and everybody gave the giant shit about it. Why? Yeah. Because like you said, it doesn't really make an impact like a quarterback would or a high impact I mean, yeah, receiver. A guard. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, a guard, right? And then, like, you know, it wins over replacement, a valuable replacement. And then now you fast forward, and then Saquon's like, oh, well, pay me. And then people are trying to get the Giants shit, like, why aren't you paying this guy? It's like, why would wait, they? Yeah. Wait, weren't you the people that said the Giants are stupid for drafting him so yeah. early? Yeah. So now you want them to pay? So it's like kind of hypocrisy or like the, yeah. you know, just like that, the situation does not add up. Like you literally were giving the giant shit about drafting Saquon so early. And, who and now knows, you're maybe, giving them maybe, shit maybe for Maybe it's paying. the people who were defending drafting Saquon yeah. early that are saying it. But either way, it's like you have yeah. to at least understand 
the logic behind why this all happens. And then still you can have a personal opinion like, fuck, I wish they made more money. I wish they'd sign him. If you're a Giants fan, you can be like, even though I think it's a bad decision, I hope they sign Saquon. Or, you know what I mean? I hope they sign Saquon. Like, that's fine. But you can't be like, dude, we got to sign Saquon. Or you're a fucking moron, you know? Because no, you don't got to sign him. I mean, that actually has very little to do with whether or not you win any, like almost nothing, you know? Um, so whatever. I mean, it's sad. It's just the way it is. I mean, I don't know, man. That 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 whole thing is like, kind of a solved equation. And I actually don't know how to fix it because I don't want to live in a world where running backs are so devalued that like, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're a dope athlete, if you're the next Saquon Barkley, aren't you telling your like kid to be like, why don't you just be a safety or a fucking linebacker or, you know, an edge, like don't fucking play running back. You know, the, the reason they play running back too is in high school, it's all the glory college, all the fucking big men on campus, all the glory. And then in NFL, like, you know, what are you going to do? Change position when you start to get paid? Like, good luck, you know, switch to edge. Like, you know, it's just, it's not realistic. So I think there'll still be a sort of a, a pipeline of these running backs coming in, but I don't know, man, there's, I don't think there's much of a way to, to fix it. Uh, someone had, I think it was, uh, might've been Andrew Cooper was, it might've been him. I don't remember, but if there was a way where, you know, 50% of maybe it was rhinos had said that, I think it was me and Rhinos were talking about this on the phone. It's like, yeah, it was. Shout out, Ryan Loesch, Rhinos. He was saying, like, imagine, like, if 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 you go into the free agency or whatever, you know, you can sign for the same amount of money. So if, like, you know, New England wanted to sign Saquon, they could sign him for $20 million. The New York Giants could sign him for $20 million. But if New England signed him for $20 million, $20 million goes against the cap. But if uh, the Giants signed him for $20 million, only ten goes against the cap, Right. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Maybe there's a like a cap savings for keeping your running backs, you know, just so that way, you know, because it'd be nice, like, you know, to sort of be like, no, no, well, yeah, look, fuck, he's worth it, like the money or whatever, but we don't cap whatever. You know? So that'd be kind of cool. Like if there was a way that they could sort of have cap flexibility savings for retaining, you know, running backs on your own team. I don't know, man. It was just a, it was a half baked idea that we were, you know, battling around and I thought it was kind of fucking cool. What do you think? Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea, and that's you know that's a whole players association thing, right? I mean, yeah. this whole situation is you gotta blame the players association, the PA for that, like, yeah. right? They gotta figure out a way to, you know, get that to the next CBA, right? And yes. I, think that's, I think that's a great idea, um, but yeah, it's a problem that's gonna exist for a while until, right? There's a new CBA and and something gives. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's a league problem too, because like, you know, people will say, well, the the NBA guarantees all their contracts. Well, yeah, they have 12, 15 guys. This is like 70, 80 guys. I mean, hundred guys, you know, you know, practice squad guys who don't make the club, you know, injuries, backfill the fuck, you know, it's only 16 revenue games. I know it's bigger revenue, but you know, one is 82, 41 home games. The other one is right. So it's like they're different leagues. And so the NFL has to really like, it's harder to make everything guaranteed. I get that. You know, I, I totally understand that. Um, but at the end of the day, these guys are, are fucking gladiators. They're warriors. And I want to find a way to keep them sort of protected with guaranteed, you know, salaries. Um, they're going out playing hurt. It's not good for them. You know, so there's a lot of issues with the league that we're not going to fix here tonight, but I just thought it was interesting and fun to actually touch upon it, but let's get back to some dynasty football and, you know, so I'll I'll say it this way. I want I wanted to get your opinion on on what I did in 
the Scott Fishbowl because sometimes when you're on the clock, you really start to learn who you like, right? It's so hard. Like you can do rankings. You're like, boom, boom, boom. Yep, totally. That's how I have them. Then you're on the clock and you're faced between the choice between two players. And you're like, you, well, you know, I text you. I'm like, dude, what do I do? And you do it back to me, right? So I have the Tyreek versus Cooper Cup. And I fucking tanked. You remember, I was fucking on the clock for a long time. And I didn't know what to do. I took Cooper Cup over Tyreek Hill. Did I make a big, big mistake? No, I, I think you made the right choice. And I, I still I still stand by that. I think Cooper Cup's gonna see a little bit of a little bit more targets than Tyreek Hill. He's gonna be more efficient with those targets, right? He's gonna catch more balls. Um I think Tyreek obviously has the big play upside. Yeah. But I think all things all things equal, um Cooper Cup's gonna score close to many touchdowns that Tyreek Hill probably will. Especially given the fact that Bulldogs catching balls uh, in in Los Angeles, but Cooper Cup is going to be more efficient with his targets. I think he's going to have just as many, uh, if not a little bit more yards, uh, close, you know, very close to the touchdown department. And he's going to, especially in the Scott Fishbowl, which awards first downs, uh, he's going to have more first downs yeah. than Tyree Kill. Right? Cooper Cup's like your traditional uh, a possession receiver, right? So. I think I think he's gonna have that going for him. Well, I, I appreciate you, you know, helping me with my, you know, Cooper Cup uh, situation. I, I, I guess you know, you know, what I started to think about was like just the fucking Rams and like they're three and eight, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Stafford, you know, is, you know, his left wrist hurts, so he's gonna like take a you know game off and. A cup's ankle was a little bulky. They're gonna, he's gonna probably just play half, or you know what I mean? Like they just get to the point where it's like they're not fully invested in the season, and then you know, meanwhile, Miami's you know, you know, trying to get a you know first place in in the division type of thing, and they're just playing balls out down the stretch. You know, speaking of balls in LA, and you know, I think that's really what you know changed my mind a little bit was sort of just running the league simulation in my head. It's not Cooper cup, the player. It was the NFL script writers. Um, you know, I, I talked to them and I think that the script writers were considering, you know, uh, uh, you know, cup sitting down. So that was, that was the big one, but here, here's one. I've got a question. We were talking about Ramondre in new England. I, I had drafted Najee Harris over Ramondre in dynasty uh, this year in the big game that, you know, we talk about a, a, a little bit on this show every now and again, the, the big startup we did. And I immediately sent Najee straight up for a Mandre offer, declined, you know, or ignored, whatever. I, I just recently pulled that offer. I think I may be back in Najee over Ramondre and in, in Dynasty. How do you how do you feel about these two in Dynasty? Wow. Oh. That's a good question. I still like Ramondre over Najee in Dynasty. Um, even if, like we talked about Fournette, even if Fournette went there, I don't think, like we said, like it doesn't affect Ramondre enough. I actually have concerns about Najee from an efficiency standpoint, of course. Right, his rookie year, and I've, I've been famously off of Najee since he was a rookie. I said the only way he's going to be relevant or uh, putting up elite numbers is through volume. Right, and I, I did touch on that earlier. Volume yeah. is king, 
and I stand by those words and, and, and fast forward a couple of years and I feel like I was right, you know? Yeah. Uh, rookie year, yeah, he had a big year because he had all the volume. And then ever since then, it's the volume has been going down. His efficiency has stayed bad. Yeah. And now, now you got someone like Jalen Warren who's been kind of interesting. I'm not saying that Jalen Warren is taking over the starting position or anything like that, but right, no. But I actually like I actually like Jalen Warren as you know someone that's been pretty effective with the ball. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers see that as well because they're giving him more touches. It seemed like over the course of the season last year, and um. You know, I, I do see that as being a problem. You know, I just do, I see that as potentially someone that kind of becomes like the Madison almost in like a year or two, right? Where it's like, you know, you're not you're not like elite, or you're not like you know super super talented as a running back. You're pretty you're you're pretty effective. You know, Najee, you know, his contract runs out, and talked about the running back situation in the NFL. And just, oh, we'll just keep Jalen Warren. We'll give him a year, and then we'll go draft another guy and start this whole process over. So Yeah, I get it. I, I don't disagree. I think they're close. Uh, who do you think's older, if you had to guess? I think Najee is older. Yeah, uh, Ramondre, about the, a month. Okay, okay. But Which, I, I, I knew they were about the same age, though. Yeah. They're, they're both, they're both yeah. pretty old. Yeah, exactly. They're both over 25 years old, which I think a lot of times if you ask that, to people, they'd be like, "Well, obviously Najee's older. Da da da. He was an old prospect, and he's you know been in the league longer. Yada yada." But you got to remember, Ramondre was like, he was dealing with some oh. shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you like you talk about the JUCO stuff, yeah, and like, dude. All that, yeah. Yep. So anyway, all that being said, I think they're close. I I don't disagree with you. I I think Najee though, like if you had to, to if I told you that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to score way more and like be a much better offense, I mean. I think you'd certainly buy into that. I mean, I, I know you just went out and made a trade for Deontay Johnson on the absolute cheap, great, great deal. You traded a, a Paris Campbell and a 24 second and got yourself Deontay Johnson. That's a great trade. Yeah. Uh, super happy about that one, you know, and, and for some context, right. I, I know people are like, Oh, no one will ever make that trade. And some people are like, Oh, I made a similar trade uh, in my league. And you know, it's all about context and the team I was trading with, uh, they're they're trying to rebuild, right? They they're trying to accumulate more picks, right? Um, right. They're trying to drop points, um, and I don't think they're a fan of Paris Campbell necessarily. I just kind of threw him in there as like kind of like we talked about the court and Sutton thing, just like hey, just here, here's some extra value, just take it, you know? Yeah, um, I think I think if you're, I think the lesson here though is like you absolutely, I think you did great, and if you are that other team selling Deontay Johnson and you're not getting a first, you have to get multiple picks, right? And I'm sure you would have paid, like, if he said, look, I can't do it for this. If you give me Paris or whatever, I don't, whether you give me Paris or not, it doesn't matter. But, like, the second Paris and two future thirds, one of 25, one of 23, you'd have been like, or 24, you'd have been like, all right. <laughs> you yeah, would have yeah, done that. I, yeah. I would have done it. I would have done it. You would have I, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't even have considered even, like, two seconds. Because the second I sent right. was a late second. I mean, I'm, I can't guarantee a championship in, in a year. But I think I'll be like a top three contender going into the season. Right. Like I have a pretty deep team, top to bottom. I have like Bijan, Jacobs, you know, up top. I have like AJ Brown and like Lamb or something. Like I, I have a, I have a good team. You know, right. Lamar Jackson. Um, of course, you know, you have I, a good I, team. I, <laughs> I have Lamar. I actually, oh, in that same league, and I know we're, we're probably gonna talk about tight ends. So maybe this is a segue. Let's do it. Um, 
is I actually made the trade, and we talked about this, uh, you know, I think off to the side, which was this whole Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. Yeah. And yeah. I've been acquiring Kyle Pitts fairly easily this offseason. I had, like, zero shares, and now I have, like, four shares of Kyle Pitts all of a sudden, right? And I didn't pay anything, like, egregious for him. But then now I'm at a point where I still like him a lot as a young tight end. Uh, obviously, he's very productive in rookie season. And again, listening to you and McNamara kind of going up, off about Kyle Pitts, you just got my, my thinking going, like my, you know, the gears turning, and I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I'm not a big fan of that Falcons offense right now, at least from a passing perspective. And, you know, Drake London's there. I'm going to try to move Kyle Pitts for Mark Andrews straight up. Mm. And I was able to do it in that league. And I, I stacked him with Lamar. Uh, I love what you said about Mark Andrews, which is he's basically the wide receiver one. Like he's, you have to look at him, at him more as like a wide receiver than a tight end. Yeah. Uh, but he gets the premium, right? He gets the premium points if you're in that type of league. Yes. Uh, so I did, I did make that move. And I want to say I would make that in like every league I'm in. Right. Right. But if I'm a contending team, there's no reason for me not. Lamar team. Yeah. Yeah, there's no reason for me to not to get Mark Andrews over right. Kyle Pitts. Mark Andrews is only like 27 years old. He's still fairly young for a tight end. I mean, look at Travis Kelsey playing well into his 30s. Yeah. Um, and Kyle Pitts, of course, a, a lot younger. But yeah, if, if Mark Andrews can return one or two championships in that, you know, the next four or five years, even, I'll be ecstatic. You know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's great. Um, and I had asked, I thought there was a, you know, I had an interesting conversation when I was on, damn, I forget whatever pod, but they asked me uh, about tight ends. And, and I was like, they, we talked about TJ Hawkinson and Kittle. And I had to look at my like rankings and everything. And I had to look at the reasons why, et cetera. And I made a switch with these two players and I moved one over the other. Who do you have? right now and would you consider swapping them tj hawkinson versus george kittle in dynasty so i i would make that trade so if i had hawkinson i would i would trade down to kittle but i would want a little bit on top sure if that's fun you know like that classic yeah. jacks move where it's like you know what they're kind of in that same tier right most people are going to have hawkinson above kittle right uh, yes. especially after the season that Hawkinson had. So he kind of has that buzz around him and right. It's like, Oh, you know, Kirk Cousins is feeding him targets, even though Jeff, Justin Jefferson is there and they, they uh, drafted Jordan Addison who he touched on and, you know, you got Kittle and there's like questions about, you know, is fullback one throwing him the ball yes, or, sir. It, you know, uh, Sam Darnold or is it, you know, Brock or who and, there's all these other receivers there and CMC. So I would actually make the trade. I would trade away Hawkinson for Kittle and get a little juice on top, whether it's you know, maybe a second or another player, maybe like a, you know, like a, you know, receiver or someone that that's playable, right? Like in your flex. And I know you like playing in those deeper leagues uh, with, with several flex spots, not multiple, but like several flex spots. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a deal I would, I would love to make. So here's what got me thinking, <clears throat> you know, targets like um, Hawkinson has been, you know, 59, 101, 84, 129. Those have been his, his target numbers, right? You look at Kittle, 
He's had, you know, 63, 136, 107, 63, 94, 86. The targets are similar. It's not like, oh, wait, one of them gets targeted way more. I know that um, Hawkinson was getting targeted a whole lot more in Minnesota. But, dude, he he's had – listen to this. Hawkinson has had one season. One season. Actually, he's never – he's had zero seasons. Excuse me. Zero seasons over 11 and a half his uh, yards per catch. His best season is 11 and a half yards per catch. Uh, Kittle has never had a season below 12 yards a catch. You know what I mean? So it's like, whoa, that's a big difference. Like Hawkinson is kind of a close to the line of scrimmage sort of, you know, station to station player. He doesn't hit home runs and doubles, you know? He's just a singles hitter. Um, And so when you talk about the big play and yards and like game-breaking touchdowns, et cetera, I think – Kittle has that much bigger upside. I know the age is different, but like I'm Kittle over Hawkinson and redraft. And I know I drafted Hawkinson over Kittle in a recent startup, but it kind of made me start to second guess it. Like what's really Hawkinson's ceiling? Like he's never had over a thousand yards. Like he, he last year was his big year, you know, with 129 targets, he had 914 yards. I mean, you know, uh, Kittle's done that three times, once going over a 1,000, once going to 1,377. Like, <clears throat> you know, touchdowns, Kittle's put it up there. You know, he's had a, an 11-touchdown season. Hawkinson, his best season was last year with six touchdowns. So, look, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible that he, he you know, takes the next step forward, but Kittle's just been the much better real-life player and much better big play player, and he's in one of the best offenses in the league. I know he's – you know, he can get hurt because he blocks a lot and he's a crazy motherfucker out there and I love him. But, like, his upside is there. I don't know, man. He's 29 years old. He's soon to be 30. But, I, I mean, is it crazy to have Kittle over – because I just moved him. I moved Kittle over Hawkins. Is that crazy? No, I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy. Right? Like I said, they're in the same tier, right? Yeah. So, you know, especially in redraft, like, I, I could definitely oh, see yeah, that. Redraft 100%. You know, yeah, I, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's one of those situations in redraft where – you just let someone take Hawkinson, yeah, and then you just sit a round or two, probably at least a round, and if not two rounds, and then you take Kittle, right? And yes. you get like the better player, or at worst, the equal player, but right. two rounds later or a round and a half later, right? Yeah, it's so, certainly yeah. possible that Hawkinson has more targets, yards, and touchdowns than Kittle. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I'll fucking grant that, but I'm not so sure that I'd bet on any of that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and I, and I do remember hearing or reading somewhere where. Like the efficiency or the numbers that Hawkinson put up last year in Minnesota, it just like kind of to what you're saying, right? Like it's it doesn't it's not historically like aligning or aligning historically with the numbers he's put up before that. And yeah, he's on a different team, but it just doesn't stand a chance to really happen again and again. Like that that's not something you would bet on. Like Hawkinson having that type of like you know elite efficiency that he hasn't he shown He wasn't before. that efficient. For, with Minnesota, yeah. he had six yards per target, right? Yeah. That would yeah. have been the lowest he in his career. I mean, it was 6.2 in year one, 6.9 in uh, 21. Um, he was actually 9.2 yards per target in Detroit for the first seven games. And again, only six yards per target. Now, he did see 86 targets in 10 games. That's the, that's the yeah. big news. But, you know, yeah. we saw it on the fourth down play to end the game it was, you know, to end their season, it wasn't exactly down the field. So until they're going to scheme him a little bit more in the seam and down the field, 
he, he's got a lot of low low um, value targets, and for those reasons, you got to be a little bit more tepid on uh, T.J. Hawkinson's upside. Um, you know, yeah, he's young, he's twenty six. You know, that's a that's a data point. You know, and it's a big one in Dynasty, I guess. But it's only big if he can put up anywhere close to what you know Kittle can do, and I just don't think he can. So, you know, I'd rather have two, three more years of Kittle than six years of not fucking Kittle. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, give me the the the, the ceiling. It's, it's our take about why we have Kelsey as the tight end one. It's because he's the one true difference maker at the position. So give give him to me first. And then I'll figure it out when he retires. You know, like I just want I yeah. want the you know, I want the guy that's gonna win me the the title. Like if I'm on a if I'm on a competitive team, I trade any of these fucking tight ends for Kelsey. You know, you saw me do it last year. I, I went the other way. I was losing the title, but I traded Kelsey to someone who was trying to win it. I got Andrews in a first because Andrews was hurt or whatever. He was like, Oh my God. You know, so I don't know if I'd spend that much. I'm not suggesting that, but my point is is like trying to make a move for Kelsey down the stretch on a championship team is not crazy. Now, Kelsey ended up, you know, not exactly having a great finish, which whoopsie daisy, but you know, my point, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Chalk, let's, let's do uh let's do a couple running backs. Um, I I've been, I, you know, the running backs, I've been saying this all off season are very, very strange to me. There's a lot of like, I think there's market inefficiency all over the running backs and I'm not suggesting I know the answer, but one thing I would be willing to bet is that if we took the pre-season, like right now, the running back ranking, so to speak, or the ADP, I should say, right, and put that up against the final finish, I think the ADP is going to look fucking ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to be completely shuffled, yeah. right? Like whatever we see at ADP right now and what the final rankings tell us at the end of the season – yeah, it's going to be a complete jumbled mess. I, yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. Right, like whereas I think other positions we kind of get it right. You know, I mean, I'm not not totally, of course, but I think there's a lot less like value in other positions where I think there's going to be like, dude, do you remember when fucking Miles Sanders was going at 26? I'm not saying it's Miles Sanders, but like there's guys back there. It's like you'd be like, I can't believe it, dude. Finished as fucking RB seven. He was good, the RB 32 going whatever. There's going to be a lot of that. Pacheco and Dobbins and. Who somebody? It's going to be like I can't believe we had so and so so high. Madison, obviously. Um, yeah, especially this year with the our running back dead zone. There's going to be at least one or two guys in this dead zone, uh, like some of those names you you mentioned, that are going to perform and finish in that top ten, right? Yeah. Even maybe top five. Like it happens every season, but I feel like this season in particular, it's going to happen maybe even more so than other years in years past. Yeah. It just feels so uncertain. You know, I was doing my dynasty rankings and after I got past, I, whatever it was like eight, I was like, I don't know who to put next. And like, I look further down and it's definitely not any of those guys. And it's, I don't know who to put. And it's kind of hard to figure, you know, I think there's like clusters of running backs that I like. And I, I, I think if you're drafting redraft, I know it's not a redraft show, but I think if you're drafting re- redraft this year, I, I do the same. I'd cluster some guys together. Like, and just try and get, you know, uh, the back of that tier and make sure I don't miss a tier. But I wouldn't be, you know, reaching up for guys who are in the same tier. Speaking of which, I was wondering, we'll, we'll kind of start from the back and move forward. A couple of guys I've been thinking about is like Rashad White 
and Isaiah Pacheco. I think they're different players on different teams, like completely different situations. You know, one's a non-pass catcher, one's a pass catcher. You know, they're just completely different. Rashad White versus Isaiah Pacheco in Dynasty. Who you got? Uh, Rashad White. Yeah. You know, by quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think I think Pacheco is obviously on the better team. Yeah. I think Rashad White has a better skill set just overall, right? I mean, he's a pass catcher, and, um, you know, I, I think he can still kind of bang it inside the tackles. Um, you know, we've both been pretty high on Rashad White. And yeah. I, I, think that, I think that the volume that he potentially sees this year can kind of buoy and vault, vault his value a bit. I mean, at minimum, give him a nice floor value. Yep, I agree. And then if he, if he scores, you know, a decent amount of points, then – he enters next season, you know, at a, you know, ascending type of, you know, trajectory. Yeah. Versus a Pacheco who, you know, you still have uh, McKinnon, right, coming back, I believe. Yeah, um, CEH. You know, CEH. I know Daenerys, Daenerys Prince is getting some hype right now. Of course, it's super early, but, yep. you know, like, who knows? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I do agree with you, by the way, but you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. They went pretty close in, you know, in my startup that I did with, you know, with the boys. And I, you know, I would definitely take Rashad White ahead of him. I, I would tend to fade that kind of, you know, archetype though a little bit because I don't think they necessarily make you win. And then there's still fragile assets. I'd probably much rather have some of the wide receivers going in that range. Um, but I think, you know, we kind of faded that that archetype as a group anyway. You know, certainly guys like Brandon Ayuk were way ahead of him, you know, which of course I would take mm-hmm. way ahead of him. Um, guys that, you know, um, you, okay, everybody loves Alexander Madison. Here's your chance to defend him. Alexander Madison or Cam Akers in Dynasty? Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, I, I got to take Cam Akers, man. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I, I, I like Madison just this year is the volume. Right, I think after this year, he's pretty much toast. Yeah. Right. I mean, he might not even make it through this year. Um, I think Acres has just a strong argument, if not better, in terms of volume. Yeah, um, I agree. Even even though the the Rams drafted like a Zach, you know, Zach Evans, and yeah. you know they have like what you know, Kyron Kyron Williams, who's pretty much a nobody. Yeah. Um, I think Cam Acres, he's shown some really nice plays throughout yeah. the last couple years and i know there was like some of the controversy of like him like walking out of the team and this and that but um i think the rams are pretty invested in him they didn't touch a running back till super late in the draft yeah. and um you know i think i think cam Akers is going to have the volume opportunity and um yeah it'll be interesting to see uh how he does and i think this is the he had like the very overvalued point of his dynasty kind of trajectory obviously it dipped pretty hard the Achilles and all that. And now it's like, you know, kind of floored out. And now it's, you know, hopefully going to start creeping back up. And this is probably the time to get Cam Akers and kind of totally. hold on and ride, ride the wave. Yeah, because I'd be way ahead of Cam Akers, way ahead of uh, Alexander Madison and, and Dynasty for me, just because of projected upside and longevity. I think Cam Akers actually has a, a pathway to be a, you know, a pl- 
dude, Cam Akers is still kind of young, you know, and I know Madison's yeah. actually young too, believe it or not, but Cam Akers has an opportunity to kind of create a, a, you know, a role for himself in this league for the next two, three, four years. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know if it's going to be with the Rams or not. I really don't. But one way or the other, I think he, you know, as, as some of these other running backs age out and rookies come in, he can sort of be one of those veterans that it's like, you know, he leads a backfield. He can be one of those guys. It's certainly in his range of outcomes. He certainly appears to be the guy who's going to lead a backfield this year, as you point out. So, yeah, for all those reasons, I do like Cam Akers uh, well ahead of uh, Alexander Madison in Dynasty. And I think I like him even ahead of Madison in redraft this year, which is, you know, certainly one of the, the reasons that, you know, uh, I like him better in, in Dynasty. I, I want to mention one more thing that I did in the in the Scott Fishbowl. I, I Dude, I had so many. I was like Tyreek or Cup, and then um, I went McCaffrey, then uh, Cup, and then in the third round, I tanked on whether to take A.J. Brown or Tony Pollard, and I probably should have taken Tony Pollard and then hit wide receiver a little later. I, I think that was the right play, like configuring for that. So, And then it put me in another position because I really needed running back because you need to lean running back a little bit, and I ended up taking Kenneth Walker over Jameer Gibbs. And I don't think very many people did that, but the scoring pushed me that way a little bit. I, I don't have Ken Walker over Jameer Gibbs in Dynasty, although I, I bet it's closer. In reality, I think it's closer than than we like to think it is. But um, I took Ken Walker because of the the scoring, you know, the the point per first down, um, the quarter point per carry. You know, I just felt like Ken Walker is just kind of probably see a little bit more total volume. Uh, in a straight PPR league, I think Gibbs makes up some of that volume with pass catching. But, you know, with the point per first down and the you know quarter point per carry kind of starts to eat into that PPR advantage a little bit. Um, all that being said, I, I kind of think we're sleeping on Ken Walker a little bit. I started talking about it last week, um, how like at first, well, we, we called it the Zach Charbonnet Alderon because, you know, when he got drafted, it felt like, you know, everybody died, you know, but I think. You know, I think we're sleeping a little bit on Ken Walker. Do you kind of agree with that, or, or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know what's funny is I actually took Ken Walker in the Scott Fishbowl as well. There we go. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I'm right there with you. And I was actually pretty low on Ken Walker, uh, I would say even like two, three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and when I was kind of, um, you know, arm wrestling with Billy Muzio on, on his podcast, Band vs. Machine, he asked me about Ken Walker and where I had him projected this year. And I actually had him pretty low. I mean, it was kind of almost like embarrassing low, I guess, yeah. so to say. I remember. Cause I was like, I was nervous about like Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. And, you know, and then we were talking through and I was like, you know what? Like after we got off, I was like, let me rework Seattle's numbers. And, you know, let me, let me take a closer look at Charbonnet and Ken Walker. And, um, you know, I still, I'm still a little mild on Ken Walker compared same. to most, yep, right? Same. But I do see the case for him, especially in the Scott Fishbowl format. Um, I do think he's going to see, of course, the majority of the carries. Points per first down league, of course, that's going to you know be tremendous. Uh, he has some big play upside as well. Totally. Um, and if Seattle stays competitive, uh, why wouldn't they want to keep the ball in the veteran's hands? I mean, it's only a second-year veteran, but compared to a rookie who's really unproven. So, you know, Ken Walker is probably a little underrated at this point. I, I mean, totally you know, agree. I'm, yeah. I'm, coming, I'm, I'm coming around on him more, but 
I mean, I, I would have to imagine there's other people that are kind of sitting there worried about Charbonnet like yes. I was and for that reason depressing him. I mean, the fact that he's falling to us, you know, you know, kind of a few rounds into uh, even a redraft league, and I think it says something even about his dynasty value, right? I like, totally agree. This is exactly the take. That's exactly right. It's like, you know, we forget that he was this – I mean, he was so, so good – it, you know, in his final season at Michigan State, I mean, he was just clearly the best college runner of the football. You know, we talked about him. Is he, you know, is he a quarter chub, uh, three quarters chub? Like how much? But that was the type of player who was just this amazing runner of the football. Goes to Seattle and nothing changes. He's a big play waiting to happen. Okay, so if you nitpick, you know, his efficiency and on a down to down basis, his EPA. Okay, there's a few things like you could like you know, nerd out and be like, oh, he wasn't perfect. And maybe, you know, but I think at the end of the day, he was, he was fucking dope. And just because they drafted some four year senior, you know, um, in the second round, doesn't mean he's no longer dope and doesn't mean that they're going to prefer Charbonnet to him. And I, I don't know. I mean, yes, it is a little bit scary, but at the end of the day, there's still a way where he is like the alpha and Charbonnet is the, you know, that, that, that secondary back, you know, the guy who gets some, you know, look, he can get 100 carries, Charbonnet. And Ken Walker can still get 2 250, you know? I mean, it's not like, I don't know. It's just, I, there's ways where they both can actually be okay. And Ken Walker is still a stud and still a very, very young, precocious, you know, running back in the NFL. Now, the question is, how far did he fall? And one of the other running backs that, you know, we should be starting to move up. And look, he was a running back that I thought could get damaged by the NFL draft and didn't is J.K. Dobbins. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins now looks like a player who's going to be in a more pass-friendly offense, uh, a higher, higher-paced, faster-paced offense, and a probably a very, very prolific offense in Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, he's been six yards per carry uh, here in Baltimore. He was dragging one of his legs last year and still was six yards a carry. J.K. Dobbins is a fucking, just an absolute stud. Ken Walker, uh, my closest comp was J.K. Dobbins. So I would ask you, at this point, after all is said and done, J.K.'s injury, Ken Walker's Charbonnet situation, who do you got in Dynasty, Dobbins or Walker? Oh, that's a good question. It's so um, tough, yeah. Uh, I'd probably lean Walker yeah, me slightly. Too. And I, I don't even know where I have my, you know, my actual yeah. rankings today, so I'll probably have to go back and adjust it you know, as needed. But, you know, as I come on the show, we always, you know, always ask me these questions. And it's like, like you said, it's like being on the clock. Yes. Right? And you don't really know who you prefer until, like, you know, the gun's to your head and you got to make the decision uh, within, you know, within the time limit. And I think it's Walker for me, right? Yeah. Like, they're both very explosive type of running backs. They can make good plays, uh, both on pretty good offenses. Um you know, I, I think age favors Walker, of course. Um, Dobbins does not have a Charbonnet, but although we don't even know what Charbonnet is, he could be a dud, he could be a zero. Exactly, yep, it could be. Uh, but then Dobbins has, like, Lamar Jackson, you know, maybe taking away some of those, uh, you know, valuable touches around the goal line. Um, you know, although I think Lamar Jackson does help Dobbins' efficiency, so it's kind of like double-edged sword there. Um I don't think you can go wrong either way in Dynasty. You know, I, I would I would lean Walker, but I'd I'd be very happy with having J.K. Dobbins instead. Um, and that's probably going to be one of those situations where 
if you have Walker and you can get Dobbins plus, then maybe that's the move you make, right? Like, you know, kind of talking a little bit of game theory and, and dynasty trades, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the move you want to make is if you have Walker, uh, and someone has Dobbins and, and, you know, you're able to kind of make that switch and get a little bit on top, maybe that's worth doing. Um, or if you have Dobbins and you want Walker, just see if you can kind of flip straight up. Right. And maybe yeah. the person who has Walker, uh, is nervous about Charbonnet. So you yeah. can go either way. Totally. I, you know, two years younger is Kenneth Walker has not yet popped his ACL as all these fucking running backs seem to do. Uh, he was an absolute stud. You know, I, I really like Kenneth Walker. I think I'm leaning back in. I mean, at one point it wasn't crazy to have Kenneth Walker in your top two or three dynasty running backs this off season until Charbonnet. So, you know, it's like, Oh, we, we wanted him in the top two or three. And now all of a sudden he's outside the top 15 or something. It's like, probably a little bit of overreaction. I think he's probably a top 10 running back in, in, in dynasty and, you know, with or without, you know, Charbonnet, someone was going to see some of the touches in that backfield. I think Charbonnet might eat a little bit into Ken Walker, but Ken Walker, it's not like, you know, if, if, if Charbonnet gets a hundred, a hundred, uh, you know, carries, it wasn't like, you know, some other, you know, shit bag poo poo platter wasn't going to, you know, 30 carries from three guys. You know what I mean? And they were going to get 90. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's just like, I think Charbonnet takes all the sort of secondary stuff from all these other guys, you know, and, and creates the depth they want in Seattle. And I think Ken Walker still gets a, you know, lead back sort of uh, bag of opportunity. And so for those reasons, I, I'm starting to move Ken Walker right up back into my top 10 and, and starting to think about exactly how high he is. And, you know, when I was on the on the clock, it was like, wait, why is Ken Walker available? <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, he's, you know, he's really good. And, I, you know, m- maybe that's a little bit, you know, too optimistic. But at the end of the day, I think that's where I'm at. So I, it's funny because when you talk it through, you start to you start to hear someone else say it. And of course, there's uncertainty, but I just don't think there's any uncertainty with Ken Walker. And I, I'm willing to buy all back in. And especially for those, like you say, if there's someone who's who's getting antsy with, you know, in their pants with, uh with um with Ken Walker, I'd absolutely buy the bag. So let's do it. Um, what do you say? Uh, let's call it, baby. It's like 110 degrees in the studio. So let's uh let's call it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're in Los Angeles, right? And- yeah, <laughs> it's hot, baby. It's hot. We got it's some- hot out here in Los Angeles. Yeah, got some hot balls out in Los yeah, Angeles. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> dude. Tons of fun. Hope everybody's having fun. Hey, I'm gonna. I'm. I think there's like some sort of crossover thing next week. I'm doing like one of the player profile shows. I don't know. They they tell me what to do. I do it. I'm I'm pretty much game for it all. I can't wait. You know the 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 best thing. It'll be my. I think it's like. I can't wait to be with Alan Soslowski. I mean. You know, lucky Matt Kelly gets to you know make fun of and pick on uh, Alan all the time. I do it all the time in the in the DMs. I Alan's a fucking funny motherfucker. I love that dude. So I can't wait to pod with him here pretty soon. That's gonna be fun. So yeah, man, see me, see me there. Yeah, see me there. Yeah, man, looking can't forward wait. to. All right, man. Tell everybody where you're at. Everybody knows you, fucking Chalky. Yeah, man. You know you can find me on Twitter at 101 Chalk. Uh, you can find my work at, uh, exclusively at theindroppables.com. Uh, I'm actually working through kind of my V2 of my projections, so I'll probably be starting to put those out starting you know tomorrow or this week and uh, over the you know next few days. Uh, and then of course, as soon as I put them out, there's gonna be all Dalvin's gonna sign somewhere, and that's right. Everything's gonna be out the window, and have to redo everything again. But um, yeah, so that's what I'm up to, and that's where you can find me. Yeah, absolutely, you're awesome. You you also need a shout out for the world to know that you know Chalk had a lot to 
lot to do behind the scenes with Scott Fishbowl. And we thank Scott for all his hard work. And I know you put in a lot of work. So on, on behalf of everybody who's playing in Scott Fishbowl, thank you, Chalk. I appreciate your hard work, brother. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, you know, it's labor of love. You know, I, I truly enjoy doing it, uh, helping set up, you know, the, the leagues uh, for, for the sleeper for the sleeper side. Um, you know, Scott, Scott Fish does an incredible thing with fantasy cares and the fishbowl. And, you know, it's just an honor to, you know, be a part of that and support um, along yes. with the rest of this fishbowl team. And there's a lot of great guys on there. So, you know, hats off to them. Yep, absolutely. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, including the greatest podcast producer that has ever walked the land. And by the land, I mean his small town that he lives in in Pennsylvania, Mr. Michael P. Duncan. You have been joined by the chalk. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Out.